Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, July 24, 2019, and I'm broadcasting from sunny Southern California. It's pretty hot today. It's gotten to low 90s today. That's hot for us where I am, anyways. I'm in San Juan Capistrano, so that's where I'm broadcasting from. And of course, the market is always doing pretty, uh, pretty much backflips. It's up and down, up and down. Uh, kind of mixed today. The Dow was up. Uh, the Dow was down, but the Nasdaq was up, which is surprising. But we'll go into that. We're going to get into that. A lot of variables at play in the market, and I'm hoping you're listening for unbiased guidance in this because that's what I've tried to provide. And it, the guidance is based on what questions you ask. You drive the show. I'm Steve Peasley. I do thank you for joining me today. And I hope you'll call because you are the driver of this this show. We call Invest Talk. I've been doing it for well over 20 years. And you drive the direction by your questions. You shape the show to the advantage you want to be. And remember, it's always the same goal for everybody here. And that is financial freedom for you, for me, for everybody that listens. Try to teach you things to get to that point of financial freedom. I got a nice email from someone today about that very subject. And, uh, you know, he was talking about in his younger days, uh, he graduated from college. It was a lot of school debt and was spending money like water. And it was listening to the show and decided to turn around his life and see if he could do something better with it. And, you know, five years later, now he's got half a million dollars saved, no debt. It's doable, everybody. It's doable. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to have a super high paying job. You don't. You just have to control your spending. You will get to that financial freedom goal if you control your spending. And they'll do it together. They'll do it together. I'll help you. I will help you with answering questions. I'll help you any way I can. You can call right now. We're live 4 to 5 Pacific Time, Monday through Friday. That means we're live right now, Pacific Time, 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, C-H-A-R-T. And if you live anywhere near New York, well... On September 19th, I'm going to be there, and it looks like I might open up another day, the 20th. I'm getting a lot of uh, a lot of interest, a lot of feedback from people wanting to meet with me, and hopefully we can schedule them all. But uh, you go to investtalk.com. There's no costs, no obligation, portfolio reviews. You go to investtalk.com, send me an email, send me a request. Be happy to meet with you, want to meet with you. And, you know, I'm turning it into a little mini vacation for me and my wife because I want to see the Yankee game play the Angels. I'm a big Angels fan, so my wife is a bigger Angels fan. And we're going to take in a Yankees game with the Angels while we're there. So I'm going to be over there for the weekend, and that'll be fun. I think it'll be fun. I mean, it's been years since I've been back to New York. I went there a year after the, the World Trade Center collapse. I went there to see it. I worked in New York, right in there. I used to come up through the path tubes, up 
through the World Trade Center, walk across town onto William 150 William Street. It's where I worked. My first initial job out of college here in California was in New York City. Walk through that. So I wanted to, you know, you can't imagine the size of the World Trade Center, the height, the, the massiveness of it. And, this. and I wanted to see what was, you know, after the after fact. And you know what? I still remember the smell. I still have the smell of ash and tin and whatever was in there. It was still there a year later. It was a disaster. It was very sad. Very sad. Anyways, I'm, we look, I'll be looking forward to going back just because I love New York. It was very, Manhattan's a really interesting place. I think, anyways. So, call me if you want to register or send me an email. Go to investtalk.com, send me an email, and we'll try to find you a spot. My main talking point today concerns this story. Since 1990, in the week before the Fed rate cuts, the market does this every time. Since 1990. Now, I don't know if that's far enough back in time to make it consistent, but we'll talk about that. That's three decades. Well, in the past three decades, the stock trading window right ahead of a new Fed cut has been positive for the majority of equity indexes. In other words, the market goes up before the Fed lowers the rate. Hmm. I got some other stories, too. Uh, Caterpillar came out, Caterpillar and Boeing came out with earnings today, but I want to talk about Caterpillar's earnings report and what they said, what the CEO said. And how important is that? And what is the leading economic indicators report telling us? And it's made up of 10 components. I want to talk about the top four components in that thing. And what is it telling us? And secondly, um, thirdly, I should say, uh, the, the second quarter, first look at the second quarter GDP number comes out on Friday. That's day after tomorrow, Friday. What do we expect? What are some of the other numbers that came out? Economic numbers that came out this week. I want to touch base on that. So this is all about, this Invest Talk today is all about statistics. I'm hoping not to bore you with them, but I find them very interesting. I watch them closely and I enjoy watching them. I don't know why. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Anyways, that's what we're going to discuss unless you call up and want to talk about something else, and I'll be happy to do that. I want to do that. The market was mixed. The Dow was down 80 points. It was down well over 100 for most of the day, but the Nasdaq was up 70, which is surprising with the, with the announcement yesterday after hours of the, of the, the government investigating all the FANG stocks. That surprised me it would be up. Now, not all of them were up. There was, there was a mixture there, but... The, the, the NASDAQ was up, and it might be because the Russell 2000, which is the small companies, had a big day today. That might be why it was up. It was such a big day for the Russell 2000, and the Russell 2000 has been severely underperforming all the other three main indexes since the beginning of the year. That's a worry. And uh, then S&P was up 14, up 14. Anyways, here's your chance to get my one-on-one no-cost portfolio review guidance. I'm returning to San Jose, July 31st. I'm happy to be there. I want to be. Of course, I'll be in New York City on the 19th as well. And I'm going to set up another day in August, probably San Jose again. So, you know, stay tuned and listen for that. 
This is Mess Talk, everybody. I'm talking to I'm taking live questions at 888-99 chart. We are almost through July. The markets have surprised more than a few experts. What might happen next and will you be ready? Now more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. So Steve Peasley is here and he's taking your invest talk questions live. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to Mark in New York. How you doing, Mark? Hey, how you doing, Steve? Um, thanks for taking my call. Great. I appreciate everything you do. Uh, just calling mm-hmm. about Pag Seguro. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. The the symbol is P A G S. Okay, that's a Brazilian so company. A, uh, Brazil. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Yeah, it's a it's a financial tech okay. um, company. Uh, it looks like it's yes. U.S. based, but they actually work out in Brazil. But just wanted to see, I mean, I like the, the numbers look good, the earnings and return on equity, and um, everything seems to, to look pretty good from an investment perspective. But just wanted to see if you yes. thought it would be a, a good stock to get into, and also if this recent run-up is too much, and should I wait for a pullback? Okay, very good questions. Uh, as simple as PAGS, everybody, Brazilian-based company provides payment technology solutions to small and mid-sized enterprises. It's a $15 billion company, so it's big. It's big. Um, they're making, uh, they made 87 cents a share in 2018. They're going to make a dollar twenty-three this year and a dollar sixty. So there's a lot of growth there in earnings, and sales have been slowing. But they're growing still fast. I mean, the growth was 140% two years ago. A year ago was 100%. And, you know, the first quarter, last quarter of last year was 31% sales growth. And the first quarter is 15% sales growth. So you can see the sales growth has been slowing while profits have been increasing. And you're right. Return equity is very good at 29%. That's very high. Um, but you're going to have to pay up for it. The stock is $46.28. and going to make $1.60 next year. So there's about a 30 PE or so, uh, you know, that's what you're paying for. You're paying for some of that growth, 30 PE. And the stock has made a mark, a really good run. I mean, here back in May, it was at 26 and now it's at 46. I would strongly suggest you wait for a pullback in this stock. It's a really sound company. Uh, it's still growing nicely. I think you just need, I think it's, it's had a very good run. I don't want you to chase this run. I rather, I would much see you get it into the mid thirties if you can. That would be a much safer place and much safer. That would be a Fibonacci retracement area. And I know a lot of people don't know what that means, but that would be a very good area to pick this up. It's over, it's got been overbought now for about a month. So it is going to fall on you. I just don't know how deep. A normal retracement would be in the normal in the mid 30s, and that's what I would wait for, Mark. I think you'll get it sometime, you know, before the fall. I think you'll get that. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. P A G S is a symbol. Pascudo Digital, I think, is how you say that. I'm not sure because I'm not I'm not good at Spanish. 
Let's take a look at some of the benchmark numbers today. 10-year Treasuries yield was 2.05%, so it's hanging right around that 2% area. Still haven't have inversion where the two-year inverts yield is higher than the 10-year, and that's always a very bad sign for the economy, and we don't have that yet. Gold at $1,427 an ounce. Oil at $57 a barrel. And we do down on the oil reserves, 10 million barrels. Well, we'll see how that affects, you know, $57 a barrel that's been in that high 50s, low 60s for a long time. And I don't think it's going to go anywhere, really. I don't. The Justice Department has opened up, as I mentioned yesterday, a broad antitrust review of America's biggest tech companies. We're talking about Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google. U.S. Department of Justice announced an antitrust investigation into online platforms. What this will mean, we don't know. And how long it will take, we don't know. So the stocks really didn't react that much to them. They lost value, but not nearly as much as I expected. But they did lose value. But by the end of the day, they got a lot of it back. Not all of it. Not all of it, but more than you would think with that kind of news. Maybe because everybody was expecting it. Sounds like to me, just by the reaction, as I look at the look at the movements of those stocks today, it, sound, it felt like everybody was kind of expected it already. There would be an investigation, or it was already ongoing, or something. So that was interesting. Boeing reported 2.9 billion quarter do- billion dollars, 2.9 billion dollar quarterly loss. It's worst ever. And you can thank 737 Max Jets for that loss. They had to charge off a lot of, you know, what they were building and selling and of those jets and killed them, just killed them. Boeing's earnings dropped quite a bit. Uh, the company earned, last year, the company earned $3.33 a share. And that was last year. This year, uh, it's going to be a massive difference. Okay, it's just, it's just going to be massively lower this year, this time. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, Boeing's revenue for the quarter dropped about 35% for the second quarter. Pretty tough. Pretty tough. Anyways, at 737, uh, the CEO, Dennis Mullenberg, said this is a defining moment for Boeing. We'll see. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. If you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you have heard me say that I believe every investor should determine their individual risk tolerance. And as a first step to building a more pro- profitable investment strategy, at least one that you can handle, you need to define your investment comfort zone. It's easy to calibrate. You go to investtalk.com. It's a free online tool called Riskalyze. Investtalk.com. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. My main talking point today uh, concerns 
a, a, a phenomena that's happened for almost the last 30 years. And that is the week before the Fed rate cuts, the market goes up every time. And the market traders right now are 100% confident that the Federal Reserve will vote for an interest rate cut at the end of July, their next meeting. That's next week. A week from today is the 31st. And, uh, and every time they've begun to cut, that week, the week before, the market has gone up. Why? Because they anticipate that cut. Now, I'm... I don't, one of the problems with this statistics, and my, this statistic, this particular statistic, is that the Fed doesn't change direction all that often. Now, how many times have said change, has it cut the rate in the last 30 years? Well, we know it did it in, in before, before 2000. We know that, 1999, I think, uh, when they started cutting rates. I think that was it. That was because of the Y2K coming up. Remember that? Uh, then they didn't cut rate. Do what they do? Cut rates two or three times. You know, of course they started to cut in 2009. So 99 to 2009. So are we only dealing with two, maybe three times they change? And that is not statistically significant enough for you to say, well, it happens every time. You can write an article that it happens every time, but statistically, that's not enough data points to give you any kind of comfort. So let's check. It would be interesting to check a week from today or a a week from when the Fed announces the cut, which I think will be a week from today, what happened to the market. So I I don't think it's anything that you can use as to trade on. Someone sent me an email uh, about uh, short interest and amount of short interest on the stock when people think that the stock is going to go down so they sell it short and is that amount of short interest uh, significant to when you want when, when the, so that you should affect the when you should buy or sell a stock and I'm saying no because you just don't have enough statistics you know as to how much short interest is a lot and remember when you buy you sell a stock short it tends to make the stock go up because those people got to get out of that short at some point. If they short it a lot, well, they're going to buy it to get out of the short and that drives prices up. It's called a short squeeze. But at the same time, so it's difficult to make decisions based on these kinds of things. That's why you hear me stress, buy things that are fundamentally sound and not overpriced. Have some growth, but have good value. Let's go to Ken in Walnut Creek. He wants to talk about Fed Express. How you doing, Ken? Uh, doing well. How about you? I'm good. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. And thank you for taking it. I have a lot of defensive stocks in my portfolio. Um, so I was looking for something cyclical because I gave up on waiting for a recession or for a, uh-huh. a bear market. Uh-huh. Um, so I looked at FedEx. And to me, it looks like a good time to buy, uh, but I'm wondering for your uh, what you think about it. I actually think it's a good sign. Um, I think it bottomed in June. It retested that bottom in late June, early July. And it has now made higher highs and higher lows. And it's still not, this is Federal Express, everybody, symbol FDX, provides express ground small parcel less than, 
uh, truckload deliveries and office and print services. And you've been to the Federal Express, uh, probably their little kiosks they have or they built. Anyways, um, it's moved from, it got as low as what, about 152 or so, and now it's 176. So it's made a nice move from that low. And it's been up one, two, three, four, five days in a row now. Um, and up today, I mean, up today, what was a percent up today? 1.29% up today. Uh, but I still think it's a pretty reasonably priced stock. I mean, it's going to make $16.36, and it's a $176 stock. So, you know, that's what, 11, 12 PE? That's pretty good. Yeah, you know, that's still not overly priced. It's five-year range is nine to twenty-two. Return equity is twenty-two percent. This is the only danger, and you kind of hinted at it, Ken. The danger is our, you know, this is they deliver packages. When the economy is growing nicely and doing nicely, package delivering goes up. When the economy goes in recession, package, de- you know, these are one of the first ones to get hit. But it was trading at 195. Maybe from 195 back in April last year down to 150 was everybody anticipating a recession that didn't happen yet. You know? So now it's moving back. I think it's a good price. So therefore, even I would consider buying it because it's a good price. Yeah, it could go down, but it's a good price. I mean, you know, doesn't pay much of a dividend, 1.5%, but. Anyways, I, I don't I don't have a problem with it. You're not gonna, it's not growing in sales very much, two, three, four percent right now. In a in a more robust economy, it'd be eight, nine, ten percent. On tomorrow's invest talk, and we got we got to talk about Amazon and their delivery services. Yeah. Okay, uh, on tomorrow's invest talk, the analyst opinion: the U.S. government broadside against big tech could cause a stock rally to stumble. We'll see. Okay, I have a, a trivia question. Since founder William Boeing started the company, Boeing Company, and served as chairman of the board since 1916, 1916, how many people have held that position in total? A Boeing, chairman, how many? I'll have that answer next. Overall, I feel pretty good about our investment decisions. But there are times I wonder if our current 401k plan could be doing better. I mean, which funds are the right funds for me, for us? You're listening to someone who could benefit from KPP Financial's active 401k program. I can't spend all my time following the market, and I'm sure it would certainly be a big help to receive advice based on real data from unbiased advisors. The active 401k program features math-based models to guide you in and out of the various investment options in your plan. KPP monitors and advises. You take action. With the active 401k program, KPP clients immediately see current investment recommendations configured to match their personal plan preferences. Active 401k. Okay. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. The great thing about achieving financial freedom, you can keep working if you want to, but you don't have to. And here's more good news. KPP clients who are active 401k subscribers will receive a complimentary subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. Each Friday, Steve Peasley writes a market action and trend newsletter that serves as a quick summary of the week that was. It also includes stock ideas, portfolio management information, and consumer finance tips. 
So enroll in the Active 401k program and also get the KPP Premium Newsletter. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com. This is Invest Talk. Summer is moving fast, and your path to financial freedom begins with the right strategy. You've got questions? Steve and Justin have answers. Call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay, before the break, I asked about uh, I asked a market trivia question. Since founder William A. E. Boeing, William E. Boeing started the company and served as its first chairman of the board in 1916, how many people have held that position for Boeing in total? Well, Boeing founder William Boeing served from 1916 to 1934, first chairman of the board. And all that time, from 1916 until now, till today, through World War One, World War Two. Explosion of aircraft development, rockets, you name it. Defense spending on jets, all that technology and medical events, all that time. Through all that time, there's only been 10. That includes Boeing. Only 10 people were chairman of the board. Just 10 in 103 years. Now, here's what's interesting, though. How many presidents did these chairmen serve under? 18 more presidents then chairmen of the boards at Boeing. Woodrow Wilson was the first one, by the way, in case you were interested. Okay, let's get to another caller who took time to leave their question on our anytime listener line number, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Matt from Cleveland. I just wanted to get your opinion on GMRE, the Global Medical REIT. Thanks for the show. I'll listen on the podcast. Thank you. Okay, it's a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust. And to remind you, everybody, when we talk about REITs, REITs, to qualify for a REIT, you have the company has to make has to be involved in real estate and has to pay 90% of its earnings in the form of a dividend to the shareholders. If it does that, then it doesn't have to pay corporate income tax. Okay, the thinking is they're giving all their profits to you, the shareholders. You pay tax. REIT that owns, this one typically is called Global Medical REIT, REIT that owns and leases 50 state-of-the-art purpose-built healthcare facilities across the United States. Not sure why they call it Global Medical REIT if it's only in the United States, right? Does that make sense to anybody? REIT that owns and leases 50 state-of-the-art purpose-built healthcare facilities across the U.S. Why do you call it Global Medical REIT? Hmm. Anyways, sales are growing strongly. Uh, the most recent quarter, March quarter of 2019, there was a 31% growth. We don't have the numbers yet for the second quarter. Okay, so we're waiting for that. Uh, but sales has been, has, these sales growth has decreased. It was 200% or so, uh, you know, two years ago. And then one year ago, it was about 70, 80. And now this most recent quarter is 31%. Still growing very fast, though. So. The dividend was 7.8%. That's why you buy this, as long as that dividend. And now it's a $10 stock. They're going to make $0.96 a share next year. So they should be able to maintain that dividend. The return on equity is kind of low at 5%. I'm not sure why it's so low. I'd have to delve into that, you know, and find out. Management owns 12% of the company, which I like. Mutual funds are buyers, 
went from in the last year from 141 mutual funds to 167. So I think it's one of those things that you could buy and be a long-term holder and probably do very well. When I say long-term, I'm talking 10 years. I'm not talking you know a year or two. Now, you buy this for the dividend. The dividend is solid. The dividend is very doable at the current rate of 7.8%. So, and they don't have a ton of debt. They do have debt. But if the debt should tell us that they should make more on the return of equity. I, I'm just I'm worried that it's only 5%. I want to know why. Why? It has a great cash flow. And, okay, that's a global medical read. G-M-R-E is the symbol, everybody. Okay, cats, Caterpillar earnings came out last night, and they were they were weak, okay? They were weak, and they suggested that there's going to be further weakness in the future. They mean the CEO announcing the weakness. So that tells you that there's problems in our probably factory output manufacturing area. So the first and second quarter of factory output actually fell. And that this Caterpillar earnings kind of tilts into that. And manufacturing is made up of about 10% of our overall GDP. So it's not a huge factor. But what's very interesting is that usually if we have two quarters in the history, and back in history, going to back history, when there's two quarters of factory output shrinking, and we've had two quarters, that usually turns into a recession. That's usually a for a, 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 a precursor to a recession. Doesn't always have to be just like that earlier stat we talked about. Doesn't always have to be, but it tends to be. So this GDP number that, that we're going to get out on Friday for the second quarter will be very interesting to see. See what see what that. Uh, See what that produces for us. Okay. 888-99 Charters, our number, everybody. 888-992-4278. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And we stream and broadcast Invest Talk live in the four o'clock hour Pacific time each weekday. And it's also available through uh, available 24 hours a day, seven days a week via archive podcast at investtalk.com. And of course, you can listen, subscribe, and rate us, Invest Talk Podcast, at, at iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And I hope you'll tell your friends, family, and anybody, even strangers on the street, hey, you got to listen to the show. I don't expect you to do that, but I wish you would. <laughs> so the lines are open right now. We're taking your financial investing questions live. The number is 888-992-4278. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where principals and Invest Talk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are independent financial advisors. For clients, they are fiduciaries. Steve and Justin have a duty and a commitment to always place the interests of their clients ahead of the firm. This is different from the way many other organizations operate. And one way you can realize the benefit of an association with KPP Financial is to know that KPP practices parallel investing. This means that the personal investment accounts of KPP principals participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. It's an important difference. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. 
or reach out to Steve Peasley and Justin Klein by emailing or calling their Irvine, California office. The Invest Talk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin, longtime listener. Love your show. Thank you guys very much. Hey, I hear you guys talking about um, gold mining stocks. I'm looking at this one here. Uh, I believe it's from Vancouver. WPM, I believe is the ticker symbol. Uh, it's been showing good growth, and everything looks good about it as far as I can tell. Is there anything about it that um, hinders you from purchasing this for long-term growth? And I believe gold stocks would be a good um, hedge towards any recession that might be upcoming in the future, wouldn't it? Uh, I'll look for your answers. Thank you guys very much. Have a good day. And gold would be a good hedge against recession, everybody. Uh, This is WPM, Wheaton Precious Metal. It's out of Vancouver, British Columbia. Canadian buyer purchase agreements for silver, gold, from mining companies operating, you know, in various parts of the world. Uh, notice it's not, a, oh, it doesn't mine itself. It buys per, buys gold. See, if you're a gold mining company, and you know you've got, you got these mines, okay, and you know in the ground you've tested it, you've done test bores, and you got, you know, hey, I think we got about a billion dollars worth of gold in the ground. Okay, and that's how much it's worth, but of course we got to spend money to get it out of the ground. What they tend to do is they'll sell some of that gold forward. In other words, they're going to sell the development of that gold mine now to somebody. So if gold's selling at $1400 an ounce, they'll sell it, okay, what if I let what if I sell you my gold in the ground for $1000 an ounce? For maybe uh, uh, 10, 10 tons worth of gold. See, and now they got money up front to to do the mining, selling forward. So, wheat and precious metals, that's the kind of thing they do. They don't gold, mine gold, they buy it. They buy it with agreement, purchase agreements. Anyways, I just wanted to point that out. It in itself is not a mining company. Uh, so, they're not mining gold. But if gold prices go up, they'll go up. And it's like anything else. If gold prices go up, the stock will go up. So the, you've seen these gold miners moving up this year. Even though gold has gone up, it's amazing, because I'm going to talk about this tomorrow on Talk Academy. Gold prices have gone up this year, but the dollar you know, usually would go down and gold prices go up, but the dollar's been holding up pretty strong. So why are why are gold prices going up? Because they go up from inflation. We don't have any inflation. They go up if the dollar gets weak. The dollar's really not getting weak. It's showing signs of topping, but it's not gotten weak. And on fear, I think there's fear. I think fear is driving gold this year. I mean, it's not making it go up tremendously. On uh, this particular company, they're going to make uh, 60 something cents, 68 cents next year, and it's a $27 stock. I think it's way overpriced. Uh, so I wouldn't buy it. Uh, I, this is not something I would buy. I'd rather see you buy a gold mining company and find out how much money they've, how much gold they've already sold forward to this kind of company. And hopefully they haven't sold too much, right? Because if the gold prices are going to go up, you want them to. Have the take the most advantage, and if that means you know you want them to hold on to the gold until they actually dig it out of the ground, they don't want you don't want to sell it forward. 
So you see, looking, it's not as simple as just saying, well, I think Colt's going to go up. Well, if they already sold all their next two years production, three years production, prices going up, it's not going to help them. Not going to help that, help that gold company if they already sold it, that gold mining company. You got to understand how these things work. It gets complicated. It's not simple stuff. What is the LEI report telling us? You know what the LEI is? Leading Economic Indicator Report came out last week. There's 10 components of the LEI. 10 components. The top four, average weekly hours in manufacturing, number one. Number two, ISM New Orders Index, Institute of Supply Management New Orders Index. By the way, that was added in 2002. The LEI does not stay stagnant, so they've made changes. Number three, replacing the ISM vendor deliveries. So deliveries of stuff, how much is being replaced? It's going up or going down from stuff you already delivered. Manufacturers new orders for consumer goods and materials. Manufacturers new orders for non-defense capital goods, excluding aircraft. So you can see the top four are all what it's expected to happen. If you're going to order stuff and buy stuff and order more stuff and deliver more stuff, that's what they're trying to look at. And that's the top four things that are on this LEI report. So, you remember what the LEI report was last week? It shrunk. The one, the month before, that was for the month, bef- the month before. The month before that, it fell to being flat. Month for that, before that, it was up two tenths, three tenths of percent. The LEI has been going down, 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 slowly, but down. So, and one of the components of the LEI is the, S- the level of the S and P five hundred, the index itself, because the index is a very good. A very good precursor of what's going to happen. So if the market's going up, the economy's doing pretty well. Bond market leads the stock market. So looking at you got to look at the bond market too. What's going on with the bond market? Is that doing well? Doing poorly? Well, you can look at it by looking at the ETF BND, and it's right at the top. It moved up most of the year. It's not falling apart yet. It just looks like it's topping. Very interesting market these days, trying to figure out where we're going to go. Okay? We get a wide variety of investing and finance questions on every on our in-time listener line every day. 888-99-CHART is that number. And here's a call that came in earlier. Hey, Steve and Justin. My name is William, and I'm from Orange County, California. I have a question about a stock that I have invested in a while ago. And since then, it's been going downhill. The ticker symbol is SUP, Superior Industries. I wanted to get your thoughts as to whether I should keep it or despite all my losses, I should just get rid of it. I'll be listening to the podcast for your response. Thanks so much. Love the show. Okay, just just to make it clear, this is Superior Industries, SUP. It's a micro cap, meaning a very tiny company worth $71 million. It doesn't make money. It didn't make money. It made money in 2017. It made money in 2016. Before 2017, it used to make money. But starting in 2018, it lost $0.05 a share. 2019, it's going to lose $0.44 a share. And next year, it's going to lose another $0.07 a share. So, 
Manufacturers cast aluminum road, road wheels for original equipment manufacturers. Uh, and they have facilities in the U.S. and Mexico. Okay, so they make cast aluminum wheels. They make wheels. And it's a very tiny company. So it, it, they're saying they're paying a 12% dividend. I would not buy that in a heartbeat. These little companies don't maintain dividends. The stock is $2.83. It's way overpriced. And they're not making money. And most recent quarter sales fell 7%. It's very cyclical in nature. And you're late in the economic cycle. These kind of companies don't work very well. Okay? I wouldn't buy it. I'd get rid of it. I think you're getting a little bounce now. I'd buy. I'd sell this bounce. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. We have one goal here. And that is to help you achieve financial freedom. We say it every day. And, of course, our work will continue after this break. So get your questions in now, 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, this analyst's opinion. The U.S. government broadside against big tech could cause the stock rally to stumble. Is he right? That story tomorrow. But now, Steve Peasley is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. Thank you for the work you put in to make this show happen. Just wanted to ask your opinion on RCI Hospitality Holdings, R-I-C-K, Rick. Uh, looks like uh, the company missed their earnings reporting with SEC and the stock has been tumbling. Do you think it represents a value now at this point trading at 10, 11 PE? Anyway, tell me what you think. Thank you for the show. Bye. Well, the short answer is yes, I do. It does. Uh, RCI Hospitality Holdings operates 43 establishments that offer live adult entertainment and our restaurant and bar operations. Okay, so that's what it does. It's uh, it, it its earnings are pretty strong. Uh, two dollars and thirty three cents this year is the estimate from two eighteen last year, and two seventy one a share next year. That's sixteen percent increase. Sales have slowed. The sales growth has slowed, not sales, but sales growth has slowed from the mid teens now to seven seven percent or so. This most recent report quarter that we have. Um, and the stock has gone from $24 or so a year ago, almost 25 down to 14 three days ago. And now it's at 16. It bounced off of that low. It's a good value, $2.71 earnings and a $16 stock. That tells you the PE is what, seven? Yeah, that's pretty darn good. It's a low PE. The five-year range is six to 19. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty small company, $155 million size. These kind of these size companies are very are, are very risky. Don't think they're not. There's risk involved when the company is this small. And personally, I don't care for the business that it's in. I just it's not my cup of tea. Okay, and that's uh, RCI Hospitality Holdings. R I C K is the symbol. Okay, we're going to get this Friday our first look at the second quarter GDP growth. The estimate is for 2%, 2% growth the second quarter. That's what the experts are predicting. And if you remember Q1, first quarter, 3.1% uh, 
which was higher than anybody expected. So now they're expecting only 2% from this GDP report. What if it's 2.5%? What if it's 2.25%? That'd be higher than expected. What if it's 1.5%? What will the market react? Will the market react to that kind of number? I think if it's anywhere around 2%, it probably won't react because that's what this expectation is. Though already out this week, we've had manufacturing numbers, July, July, uh, the, the PMI for manufacturing, and we have the PMI for services. This is the Market, M-A-R-K-I-T, a private company, their flash report for July, which means it's now, right? We're in the month of July. Well, the manufacturing market PMI number was 50, 50. It was a month ago, 50.6. Remember, 50 is the break. Anything below 50, the, the, the manufacturing sector is shrinking. Anything above 50, it's growing. So right now it's flat. The service sector, which is more important to us, the United States, because we are more of a service country than a manufacturing country, the service number a month ago was 51.5. So what was the July flash report now? 52.2. So it went up. Went up. So service sector went up. Manufacturing sector went down. So that tells you the economy is still doing okay. It's not great. Now we also have existing home sales and new home sales. Existing home sales, 5.27 million was the number. This is for last month. This is for June. They expect it to be 5.33, so that was a disappointment. It was 5.36 last the month before. So 5.27 was a disappointment. Well, how about new homes? That was 646,000 new homes uh, for the month of June. The month before was 604, but they expected it to be better than that, 658. Remember, when you're moving into the summer, the spring, the summer, more houses are being built. We're still getting that kind of mixed but okay picture on our economy. We're still getting that kind of picture. Mixed but okay. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. And I thank you for your loyal support and, of course, questions, all of them. Justin Klein and I will, uh, Justin will be here tomorrow. Justin Klein will be here tomorrow. I'll be back Friday to share highlights from our KPP Premium Newsletter that I send out every week. And please tell your investor friends, I will be meeting with the listeners on September 19th in New York, and I may extend it to September 20th. You can register now at investtalk.com. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions 
on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART. 